Oat's mind screams. And through the connection Beta has opened between you all, you feel as if you're a sponge or some kind of fabric or cloth and a fire hose of emotions and sights and sounds is being pushed through you. You're in a blacked out carved bubble in stone and you know immediately it's spin. There is no light and then suddenly there is too much and it's in your face. It subsides and your new clients are gathered in a semicircle around you. Each figure is a rectangular column of ratcheting cylindrical gears and wire helixes. At the bottom of each figure are octagonal wheels or battered tank treads or repulsor hover engines or a baker's dozen flickering plasticil strand beast feet. And atop each one varying from your knee to just above your head height is an organic head like a flesh vase on a plinth of churning, whirring artifice. Their mouths open and they speak in unison. We are the Gauss Matatanda. We offer you the perfect delight of employment to our ends. You feel your mouth moving. You hear yourself say, yeah, okay, quiet down, quiet down. Just tell me, what do you want me to get? Behold, the Organon postulate. And a sharp gem of green stone like a star appears in the air. And its current possessor, thief of illegitimate spoil. Another hologram of a figure appears. The postulate is the instantiation of the theoretical consummation of our endeavor into the hypothetical translation of interdimensional precipitative matter intersectional. They go on and on, but you're not listening. You can't take your eyes off that second towering figure. You feel your wings twitch. The hair on the back of your arm stands up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait, wait. What was that? <laughs> you said you were going to give me how much? The number they say makes you sweat. And then it's a waterfall of colors and sounds and emotions. And then you are on a field in front of a writhing limestone castle. Above you, there is an entire other world in the sky. You are introducing yourself to an angel. You are lying. You are saying a fake name, and it feels like biting on metal. And then you see it. She's wearing it. It was supposed to be in the vault, but she's wearing it. Time seems to slow as you take your finger off the trigger in your suit pocket. She invites you inside and you go. You have never felt more and less yourself. Another catapult through uh, colors and scents and the, the experience of touching and being touched and the following memories have been redacted for Oat's sake and because this is a family show. And then all of a sudden <laughs> time, uh, your, your body feels incredibly differently and everything around you is normal now. The world and the sky, the moving walls, the trophies, all of it. And now you think, after all this time, of the number. And you look it up, and you look up at all the other worlds in the sky. And she sleeps silently, like a wide, still lake. And so there is no sound from the other room as that room slides down the hallway to rejoin some other floor. You pocket the six-pointed star, swing your other leg over the balustrade as it lowers perfectly on schedule, 
to the lawn. And then blackness and stars and the sound of gates opening and closing and there's laughing and there's drinking and you're in a ballroom with fancy fake gravity. It's got that sizzle of the fake gravity that only the really rich can afford and the really smart <laughs> can steal. The ceiling is a panoramic transparent dome and through it you see a phantasmal glittering Tefnian hulk orbiting above a great storm over a glowing indigo gas giant outside the space station where you have come to from very far away for a party. You have never been around this many Harajun at one time, and you are loving it. Everyone you see, you know, and they are happy to see you. You are exactly one and three quarter servings deep into the wasp paste. Everyone is licking it. <laughs> Everyone knows that one and three quarter servings is the sweet spot for wasp paste. A young, it's true. It's true. A, a young guy. Wait, who is that? Is that the, is that, is that the guy you were with during the piece? Keepers thing right after you got the boot from spin. Oh my god, it is! You stride over and then space opens up in front of you. Someone else's severed arm falls to the floor. Clacks and sound, people scream, and through the sudden ring of flickering plasma, she is standing. She holds a sword in front of her, and then you see black and you hear the cold eat your body. And then nothing. And then you are approaching Torvald's body. There is talking and jokes to your right. Could be a foot or three million miles away. You touch her and she doesn't move. You press the clasp at her breast. The frozen quicksilver iris opens and you feel the synthetic slickness of the emerald star. You feel the other world in the sky. You feel it sitting in your chest. You stand. You look at your rescuers. And for you all, this is an extremely strange moment because you see yourself. You see Remy and Beta and Mercus and Vino standing in the Onvader's fortress. And you feel like your mouth is full of earth. But you hear yourself say, all right, let's go. Previously on Float City, the crew arrives in Nolaster to find company fleeter Zeshtino Novelle dead. Venos goes back in time where he saves her life. Eventually reunited in Novelle's apartment, the team begins to unfold the apparent conspiracy against them to take the fall for her death and are confronted by the Nolastrian guard, who claims someone has called in a murder. As everyone attempts to reach an understanding, local pirate Canary and two of his mates bust in, demanding Zesh explained the disappearance of Dubuli Boo Restulna, a Mulrook accelerationist from their ranks whom came to kill Novelle and who was in turn killed by Venos. The guard demands everyone come along quietly, but Oat, now with a brand new uncontrollable weight and arm, accidentally starts a fight. After not long, a fourth challenger appears, the Emissary, a dangerous beast from beyond time and space summoned by Remy's use of open mind. Things are not looking good when the emissary winds up and attempts to go through Oat to get Remy, but is stopped and literally unraveled in space as the crew has a vivid set of visions, carried between them thanks to Beta's power, Etherspeak.
Everyone sees Oat basically collapse onto the ground in Zestian Odeval's apartment onto the various parts of the Hannah that was previously there, half on the arm of the human guard um, that's still scrambling to try to stand up. Um, I think what has just happened is extremely unclear, but what you do know is that the emissary tried to connect to Remy through Oat and something stopped it. And you were then flooded with all of these memories of Oates' history uh, of seemingly the Anverder, uh, her estate, and uh, the green jewel that you, I think, all saw him take from uh, her armor when you left Rigamont B. The next person to act, because we are still in initiative, is Mercus. Oh. Mercus, you, uh. are, you are out on the courtyard with Zestino Novell, uh, who up until this moment has been uh, trying to escape you, uh, has been sort of pushing um, and, you know, kind of maybe slapping you away a little bit uh, to try to get back to her apartment, um, to the fracas. Everyone in and outside the apartment hears the very familiar sound of uh, the only vehicles that are allowed to drive on the peninsulas of Nolaster, the Nolastrian Guard. Um, they are uh, rushing towards the apartment after feeling and seeing the memories, uh, Mercus like just uh, takes a step back and and lets go of Miss Novelle, uh, loosens his grip, and just wasn't sure like what uh, that was. She stops trying to get away because she saw it too, uh, and that was very intense. She's also like hugely confused because none of that has any context for her. Um, she knows Oat just from having seen him a few minutes ago. Uh, and she like, you know, is kind of woozy and she looks at you and she's like, did that mean anything to you? Did you, you saw that too? Yeah. I don't know what it means. Do you know any of those? Do you know that tall lady in the armor? Yes. Ooh. It's the Onvader. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> talking to you as if you know what that is. Well, what are we going to do? Uh, we have some transportation. I think we should uh, get in the getaway car. Before uh, he turns, uh, Mercus pulls out a letter and says, this is for you. She takes it. This is the letter that you found in the mailbox. <laughs> in the mailbox. Uh, she opens it and she reads it and she says, uh, listen, I, I have an idea. Millen is going to be here soon. Um, and if we want to hide, there's... Uh, and she like looks around and looks at all the people who are standing around you. Uh, and she gets she like gets closer and she gets kind of quiet. She says, I, I don't want to say too much, but like he there's a place that we can go that we can hide and your friends can meet us there. If we get into the conveyance, do you, <laughs> do you have a, a destination in mind? Do you have a destination in mind that doesn't require us to pass through a checkpoint? Oh, no. I was hoping you would know a safe house <laughs> um, somewhere I, for us I to do. go. I uh, do. We don't need to drive there. It's in the city. And I'm, I'm pretty sure no one will be able to find us there. And uh, I can tell your friends how to get there if if you want to do that. This sounds like a good plan. Okay. It's a good plan. Uh, she'll make an action on her turn. The next person to act is uh, the human guard who is going to stand up finally and looks up turns around, looks at the... Taylor, what does the emissary look like now that it has been de-rendered? Did it just disappear? No! Okay. No, 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 no. 
let's think let's think about it rationally if we were taken into 2d space are, we would we would be cut in half yeah you see you would you would see a cross-section of us and the two halves of our body would just fall apart split by our esophagus track uh our digestive track so ah. <laughs> you know maybe that's like if 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 one toroid shaped object the human body splits into two when it goes to three to two maybe someone in 11 who's brought down to three splits right. into like 800. <laughs> So they stand up and they look at the de-rendered emissary and it just looks like a pile of just very long like strips of uh, magnetic tape uh, that are like, it's just a pile of Mobius strips essentially uh, that are just shredded and interconnected and woven together. There are some flat sheets that kind of look like a basket weaving and some parts that look like braids and they're all just in a pile and they turn and they see oat on the ground um, and they realize that their Mulrook partner is very injured. Their commanding officer, the Hannah, has been blown up. There's just destruction all around them. They are going to try to pick up their Mulrook partner and try to just shoulder them through uh, the big drink wrangler that's trying to free Canary. And they're just going to try to leave because they know that backup is on the way. So I am just going to have them roll their movement to see if they can do that. And I'm going to make that difficult because it's slippery. Uh, NTS did leak lubricant everywhere. Uh, There's a lot of people around. Here's what they're going to do. They're going to do two things uh, because they have a power that's a free action that I'm going to use. The guard looks at Remy. Remy, what do you look like right now? He's just staring at the the door or where the door was, very obviously uh, trying to get out. The guard sees that you are eyeing the exit and like you are trying to leave and he levels his eyes at you and he gets this very serious look on his face and he says, don't even think about it. You are staying right here. Remy, roll Will. This isn't going to go well. I, I mean, he, he has, his will is four. He can't beat a, a check. Okay. Well, we're going to see because he has to, he has to roll um, to see how he does. That's a natural one. Maybe he'll roll a natural <laughs> one. No, he rolled a six. Oh. Okay. Um, you have just been, you have just been commanded. The Nolastrian guard Ooh. have a power that is called command presence. Uh, which is if they pass a standard charisma check, um, they can make a simple movement-related demand, like get on the ground, drop your weapon, or stay where you are, which a player must follow if they cannot pass a standard will check. So for the next round, you have to do what they said, which is that you can't leave. Okay. And he looks at you with a serious look on his face and then rushes over to his pal to try to pick him up and just shuttle him out of this disaster. I don't think he's going to be able to do it, but he's going to try. Oh my God, he does it uh, by the skin of his teeth. He basically steps over Oat and doesn't even pay any mind to uh, the waiting that's trying to free Canary. Pig, you take that boy out of here. I'm going to hunt you down and I'm not going to stop until you're dead or I am. It's a bloody scene, but the guard manages to pull his just barely conscious friend out of the apartment and you see them hobble down the stairs slowly. Mercus, um, you see this with Zestino from the courtyard. Uh, it, le- it seems like the final two Nolastrian guards are attempting to leave. Um, the next person to act is Beta. Beta, the only people, the people who are left in Zestino's apartment are you, Remy, 
oat on the ground, a waitin' who is trying to free uh, his ostensibly boss from strange uh, polymagnetic manacles that have attached him to the ground, and Venus. Beta seeing Oat fall um, immediately, what comes to mind is she wants to get out of NTS and run over to Oat to try to heal him. Would you like to take a quick survey? Exit, 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 exit. <laughs> Would you rate nearer to something as advisable? A three, a four, a five, a six? NTS, a not seven. now. I love surveys, but not now. <laughs> Not now accepted. <laughs> uh, the hatch opens and you see uh, your proprioception returns, your sense of identity um, and um, self returns. Phenomenologically, you now have a body and all the things that entails again. And you can step out of the strange nano-robotic shell that you were previously inhabiting. Um, so she steps out and um, runs over to Oat, turns him over, and starts performing heal. Uh, and as you turn him over, you see that the tentacle, whatever that thing that shot out of mm. the emissary, hit him squarely in what, for humans at least, would be his solar plexus. Mm. Uh, and the fabric of his... Uh, clothes have just sort of been eaten away almost it looks like by some kind of like a heat like a laser thing and underneath it you can see that like there is a it is the same uh emerald star stone uh that you saw in the wave of memories that came out of vote uh, and that you saw him take from the onvader's fortress uh all those many weeks ago it has been pushed into his chest Mm. Like it is like an inch or two in the skin of his foot. It has been punctured into him, but you can still see it there. And he says, <gasps> oh, it hurts. It hurts real bad. Help me, Beta, help. Oh. Taylor, just to put a number on this, um, Oat has taken 30 damage. <gasps> Beta seeing Oat struggling, um, you know, she doesn't get this flustered that often um, is still feeling like this is somehow her fault from, you know, that that past, uh, that memory or future prediction she saw. Um, so she begins to start healing Oat for as much as she can, which is not that much. <laughs> so um, she burns to grit and they regain to health. Uh, but you can also burn an additional X grit where X is equal to or less than your level. We're level two. Yes. So she's going to do that. So that's four. I'm going to burn four grit to um, give out for health. Four? Four. Okay. <laughs> Don't spin it all in one place. It's like standing over an open chest with a dropping a Flintstones vitamin gummy in there. <laughs> beta is beta is over uh, the extremely traumatized, extremely hurt oat saying, yeah. gonna kiss it, make it better. <laughs> well, I feel like uh, she's so, like normally she knows she's not that great at heal. Uh, she normally just offers everyone gunch. She just is so flustered, though, that she performs heal kind of as gotta, much energy you gotta as you got to do what can. you got to do. Yeah. The next person to act is Zestino, um, who looks at Marcus and says, okay, we're going to go to Millen's 
slip. It's one peninsula over. I think I understand this thing that you guys do now enough to tell everyone where it is. And you all hear this distantly because uh, she's speaking with her mouth um, and not like thinking it at you. You can still hear it. Uh, and, and then it, it sort of becomes focused and you hear Zestino more clearly and she says, meet us, meet us here. here. And you all get kind of similar to what happened with Oat, a very strange series of images of you walking to a very particular location in Nolaster, a city that you do not know. You've never been here before. You cannot navigate it. You do not know where the landmarks are. You do not know your way around, except for one building, one small hut uh, in the marina, one peninsula over that you have perfect knowledge of how to get to. Uh, you just now feel like you've walked to it a hundred thousand times. And Zestino thinks at you, I know it's strange, just it'll make sense when you get there. Come as soon as you can. Um, yeah, she has effectively um, dropped a pin in the group chat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow, Mike. Big wind up for that one. I love it. <laughs> Why didn't you just say that? <laughs> the next person to act is the big drink wrangler pirate speedy pocket digger <laughs> pocket no, scrapper something scrapper tiny tiny pocket scrambler tiny yeah. pocket scrambler there you go um Tiny Pocket Scrambler is still rubbing this strange shell over the uh, manacles um, and manages, kind of at great cost to himself, uh, to figure out how to get it to work. And Canary is no longer attached to the floor. A Tiny Pocket Scrambler bends over and uh, kind of like tries to hoist him up. But as they're coming up and as they're trying to stand, he's hobbling, he's wincing because his leg has been uh, basically, you know, almost blown off from the Hannah's laser pistol, uh, you can see that they both notice the very large, shiny, green jewel that is, uh, yeah, on Oat's person um, after Beta flips him over to heal him. Um, who knows how interested they are? Uh, we'll find out soon enough. The next person to act is Venus. Venus um, takes a look around. He sees that most people, uh, you know, are either fighting each other in terms of the pirates and the guards. I don't think any of them are actually trying to stop them because the only one who did just left the room. Um, yeah, the, the guards, the guards have left. Right. So it's just you, you guys, and the pirates. The remainders of your crew and the remainders of the pirate right. crew. And the, and the pirates seem preoccupied. So uh, Venus um, looks at everyone, and says, "We must away at once. The guards, they're upon us." Um, and he motions for everyone to follow him and tries to leave. Which direction do you head, Nick? Do you, do you go towards the big gaping hole or towards the blown apart door to the hallway? <laughs> in my head, I don't know. I, I, I picture them on the same wall. Is that incorrect? They are in the same wall. Okay. Oh, okay. So he goes through the gate. Big. He goes towards the big uh, gaping hole. Um, yeah, I, I guess that would be closest to him is the big gaping hole. Um, he would have to walk a little bit further to his left to go into the door, I guess. Or is there the, the door isn't there? But is, is yeah. Is, it's kind so of, is there like a tiny piece one. of wall that is keeping a <laughs> door hole? Okay. Yeah, basically, basically, there's like a sliver of wall <laughs> that, that you know you could probably push down if you really wanted to. So my decision is really: do I take a half a step left while I'm yeah. walking towards it, or is half a step right? I guess I'll just uh, kind of take the half a step right, go through the go through the big hole. I mean, I'll let I'll let Taylor decide if Canary is interested in Venus, uh, but he's uh, he's fucking <laughs> yeah. Canary is done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Venus, you are you are basically able to just walk out of here. Uh, 
because everybody is so hurt or preoccupied. Uh, 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 I'm, well, yeah, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Oat <laughs> now because I I, I I was so relieved he was alive. I was just like, let's go. But then um, I think maybe you know starts towards leaving and then realizes that someone's going to have to help carry Oat. Um, and he uh, grabs uh, Oat, Oat's uh, arms maybe um, and looks uh, at Remy possibly to have him grab the legs. Venus, do science on, do science I guess, on me. Wait, I guess canonically wouldn't beta be the strongest of us uh i think so yeah i mean she's a ro- she's a machine <laughs> um but uh, and so then it would so be and then, you see her legs are so, so skinny freaking I, don't, I don't think it matters i don't think it matters with machines still made out of metal <laughs> no calves on this beta no calves um, I think maybe I think what's happening maybe is Venus is is putting on a big show like he's got to carry carry Oat, but he's looking he's looking longingly at uh, Remy and uh, Beta, hoping they will take over the job for this feeble old man. Well, Remy can't leave. Is that true? He can't leave even though they left. You can't leave for one one round. Yeah, this round. Yeah. Well, he's not leaving this round anyway. He's gonna it's gonna be next round when he's gonna actually be able to leave unless unless initiative goes away. Can't leave for can't leave for one loop. So like basically. Remy in Remy's next turn that comes up, he'll be able to take any action, but won't be able to leave the apartment. Oh, I see. So I see. So one of his one of his loopies is kind of. How, I mean, how close are we to leaving initiative? Is the yeah, question. doesn't it end with initiative? We're gonna we're gonna find out. I think in the next two or three turns, pending what Canary wants to do. I see. Because Canary is still in the Canary room. is the Canary's... sole aggressor right. as of this moment. Vino starts to leave, then realizes that Oat will not be able to leave on his own. So he um, he uh, gestures t- towards Oat and uh, requests Remy and Beta help him help him get uh, Oat out of here as quickly as possible. All right, we're at the top of initiative order and the first to act is Oat. Oh! Uh, Beta, you can see that like by touching him and like doing your heel stuff, it looks like every rib is broken Oof. in his torso. Guess you would have heard the crack too when the emissary hit him. Uh, but there was a lot going on then. There is blood coming out. He's having trouble breathing and he, he, he can't really talk anymore. Is someone did Venus? Did you say you were trying to lift him up? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm starting to you know whenever I'm asking Re, uh, Remy and um, uh, Beta to help. You like go down and like I'm imagining you like kind of grab him by the arms and he comes up. He tries to put his arm also around you, but it's the new machine arm and it goes backwards. <laughs> oh, no. Bug arm, bug arm, bug arm. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's his new weight arm and it just kind of goes backward and he try he almost falls to the ground again. He's slapping Beta's Beta's legs. <laughs> yeah. You, you can, you can, you can, like, he is conscious. He is not going to die in a couple of seconds. There's not that much blood coming out, but there's blood coming out. You can hear the liquid beginning to build up in his lungs as he's. Next to act is Canary, who, just to be clear, has been freed from the manacles, is standing leaning on his friend, the big drink wrangler, both of whom were making eyes at the very shiny thing in Oat's chest. Yeah, all right, so. Canary and like his little pocket scrabbler helps him get up. Uh, and he's like standing on one leg and, and using, he's like using the other, the other little guy as like a sort of crutch with his elbow. And he looks at you all and he pulls out this pistol wrapped in rope. And you can see he's kind of having a hard time keeping his eyes open. Uh, and he says, This is what we call a wash. Uh, we're gonna go and you're gonna go. And I don't ever wanna see you 
I'm cock-a-doon again. And he begins to hop out the door. (laughs) (laughs) As he hops out the door, you hear now very, very close to the apartment, the sirens of the Nolastrian guard backup that was called last round. Uh, They are going to be here very soon. And as he, as he like begins to walk out of the door, which is really not a door, it's just another gaping hole in the wall. Uh, uh, he, he, but he turns around and he says, but if I were you, I'd recommend getting out of town as fast as you can. About to be a rumble. <laughs> and he goes. They, they trip a little bit as they get start going down the stairs. <laughs> just, he just sounds like he's wearing a bathrobe and has a cat and a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, if he wasn't, it worked. <laughs> Missing a leg. Yeah. You don't know what Canary's Man. lifestyle is like. Right. I don't. I, I'm uh, saying that with praise <laughs> and admiration. It's your girl, Jen, and I'm here interrupting the show to tell you about Patreon. If you are loving our story, production value, and goddamn incredible sound design, become a chummer for just five American dollars per month. That's 4.28 euros, 523 yen, or 106 pesos. For 0.00037 bitcoins, you get access to fun slash float chatty, our inside baseball show about every episode, an invite to our Discord, which has channels called Chumbler and the Cone of Bonus Content, and top secret cold storage archive and cyberpunk-themed Spotify playlist that I personally update every Tuesday. Come on, why don't you join us at patreon.com slash funcityventures. Again, that's patreon.com slash funcityventures. As Canary and Tiny Pocket Scrambler leave, you hear the sirens approach but there are no aggressors in the immediate vicinity. So, you're out of initiative. Yes! <sighs> yes! Remy books out of your the window and jumps the fuck out. <laughs> Not gonna help us with O. Yeah. Thank you, nope. Remy. <laughs> well, then, um, Beta uh, takes the legs. Actually, Beta sees Venus with the... kind of pushes Venus away and picks up the arms and, <laughs> and tells him to take the legs. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just talk in your mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is mine. You hear. Uh, help me. Oh, shit, it hurts so fucking bad. Oh, God, it hurts. Venus, do science on me. You don't want what I have. Oliver, you're getting these bright white sort of flashes of pain and like uh, some bits of Oates' childhood on Giju, uh, just like, you know, whipping around the trees as his his life doesn't flash before his eyes, but like some reminiscing maybe. As they as they move out of the apartment, um, Beta with, you know, is holding is like takes one one arm and kind of right. Like goes through her pocket. She actually has one piece of gunch that she's been hiding from Remy, and she gives it to Oat as they walk out. Uh, I can roll it. Uh, that's four. You get four. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that almost gets me back up to zero. Roll. You got to roll for addiction, though, right? Yeah. 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 That's bad. Oat is addicted to gunch. One of us. You only do it one time. It's got gotcha. you. Oh my god. Uh, I'm assuming that, I'm hoping that Oat had grit, right? Because otherwise he would be dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tons okay, of grit, grit left over. 
And what happens? Everything below zero I was at, I take out you of take my out grit? take out of your grit, yeah. Okay, I still got some grit left a little bit. Basically, you die when everything goes to zero and you get attacked okay. again. Um, okay, let's talk about what everybody wants to do. Remy, as soon as initiative is over, and I won't even charge him the the three seconds that he might have to think about whether or not it was wise for him to leave, just books it, jumps out the window, jumps down a whole story, <laughs> maybe clouds a little bit upon impact, uh, but just gets out of that apartment. Remy, when you get down onto the ground, you see it's dark out, it's night. There's a bunch of people who have uh, crowded around in the courtyard and are looking up at all of the commotion, this huge almost like, you know, burning hole of an apartment that's in the building. You surprise some of them as you land and you see off to your right uh, the Nolastrian guard approaching in uh, three small conveyance uh, with flashing uh, purple lights, purple and white lights on top of them. They're, yeah, they're they're on their way. Uh, what do you do? What does everyone else do? You have a clear picture in your mind of this place I mean you have to run to. Remy just books it the opposite direction of the Nolastrian guard. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's not really thinking still. Um, his his main goals are to run, hide, uh, gunch up, and then then maybe he can like think about other Great. things. Great, yeah. If you run in the opposite direction of uh, the direction the guard is coming from, you're basically running north on Nos, um, which is the opposite direction that you want to be going, but like... You know, that's fine. If you keep running north, yeah, you, you there's no lasters very dense. There's a bunch of side streets you can duck into. Some some yeah. people saw you run in that direction, but, you know, who knows what they'll do with that information. And I guess e either speak is like over infinite distance, if I'm not as, mistaken. As far as we have established, mm -hmm. it does not turn off with distance, so... You are still con yeah. So I guess I mean I guess I guess the team could keep tabs on Remy because his mind is still just going like survive, survive, yeah. survive. And I think we had how many more minutes do we have left on our phone plan for Ether Speak? Um, the Ether Speak it was six plus two, so it was eight minutes. So so I'm gonna say you probably at this point have about five and a half, six minutes of it remaining. Like that that battle was probably only about two or three minutes. Yeah. Uh, everything happened very very quickly. <laughs> I mean, very long battle, though, yeah. let's be honest. So, yeah, everybody perceives Remy kind of just booking it away from what he perceives as danger and more aggressors to safety. What's everybody else going to do? I think Mercus and Jeshino are heading straight to the yep. slip. But on the way, on the way, he's talking to her about Deep River because he, <laughs> he saw the letter and he's just like, oh, Millen, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as uh, as you hear the Nolastrian guard approach, Zestino looks at you and is like, <clears throat> "Okay, just play it, just play it cool," and just starts walking in a direction uh, and is just you know keeping an eye on the Nolastrian guard and everybody who is around uh, and is walking briskly but not suspiciously and just um, you know looks at Mercus and just starts having casual conversation. Is like, "So, you ever been to Nolaster before?" And eventually, maybe what they get to is, "So, do you uh you get a partner?" Yeah, her name is Deep River. She goes to another school. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find my way back. How did you, uh, how do you and Deep River meet? Oh, well, it was on our last mission before we were here. And, uh, gotta say, it's love at first sight. 
Sounds like a typical fleeter romance. And her eyes are darting back and forth along the horizon. I'll describe what it's like getting to the slip in a sec. Um, let's talk about what everybody else wants to do and how we want to deal with Oat. So the guards are where? And is there any like woods or like dense areas or buildings with alleyways or anything like that? Yeah, you're you're on Nos, which is one of the peninsulas. It's the main residential peninsula. So it's kind of like the closest thing that No Laster has to suburbs. So there's just a, a lot of residential buildings around. You're on the second floor of kind of like a big apartment building thing. There's a bunch of people in the courtyard in front of you, and the Nolastrian guard is approaching very quickly uh, from the south, which so, is oh, also think... which is also the direction that you have to go to get to where you need to go. Um, but like, there's a lot of buildings around. There are a lot of dark alleyways that you can sneak into. Nolaster is a very densely built city. You know, it's sort of like Venice meets Rotterdam. Just remember all of your favorite alleys in Rotterdam. <laughs> so I think rather than going in the opposite direction, maybe we could, maybe we should go like straight through to just try to like, uh, but not towards the guard, but to like perpendicular or something. Perpendicular to try to. F- okay. Yeah, Venus is only carrying the feet, so so Beta's really driving here um, <laughs> with the bulk of the weight. So Venus is happy to follow wherever you're wherever you're taking us. And yeah, and I see, you know, uh, like alley between two apartment buildings and I I am directing us towards there. All right, great. Yeah, so you like hup, 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 oat down the flight of stairs. Beta is navigating. Venus is carrying oat's feet uh, and you kind of just try to duck down an alleyway. You you turn just before the Nolastrian guard um, pulls up uh, and um, you hear the doors on their conveyances open uh, and close and you hear them start to shout they start telling people to clear the area uh, and uh, they start putting up, um, you know, uh, barricades and tape uh, to block everyone out. Uh, and you hear them uh, sort of shouting at one another about looking at the apartment and uh, making sure that there aren't any people around. Uh, you hear them uh, just just within earshot. You are able to hear them uh, ask a couple people if they saw where anyone went. Uh, did you see anybody who was here go off in a direction? Did you see anybody leave? Could you describe anyone who was involved and you can't hear any answers um, but uh, you know cross your fingers I guess Um, and uh, you all make your way to the thing that you the place that you know only because the memory of it has been implanted by Zestino Novell Bijan let me know what Remy does when there's something that Remy does otherwise I'm just going to go forward yeah, Remy, uh, uh, you know, I think he probably puts about, uh, I mean, he, he runs like maybe a mile or something. He's just going yeah. and then ducks into an alley, um, hides behind some trash cans and uh, uses some gunch, just gunches up because he's he's hurting pretty bad. He's not he's not in a good way. Two health. Great. That's no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Poor guy. <laughs> uh, the other thing he wants to do is uh, try the uh, the very complicated bandage device that he has. Oh, yeah, sure. So I think he's just going to, like, press uh, it to his stomach and uh, use it. Okay, uh, hold on one sec. Let me find it. Um, This is the... You don't know that it's called this, but it's called the the portable Vomeroner Saverer Affixer Sport Edition. Okay, so... (laughs) I want to know the other editions. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, there's got to be a a classic edition. There's got to be, like, an edition that's... Retro. Yeah, you know? <laughs> okay, you stab it into, you like, uh, so it sort of looks like um, someone crossed a very fancy gamer's graphics card uh, slash sports car with one of those stamp deals, uh, like one of the, like, very uh, dramatic um, address stamps. Roll 
Oh, nothing. It just works. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me. Tell me what you do. Tell me where you stamp yourself, uh, and I'll tell yeah, you what happens he, to your body. He just uh, oh, sticks no. it in the middle of his chest and stamps. Okay. You hear the adhesive backing come away from one of the bandages that you saw inside when you opened it up on Narcosa, um, and you hear a slight buzz and hum um, as uh, whatever mechanics inside of it activate whatever that thing is, and when you remove the Vomerona saverer uh, from your chest um, after you have affixed it. Um, you see this sort of dull gray square, um, almost like a tattoo. Uh, like it's not a bandage, it's like it's ink, uh, and it just seeps into your chest. And suddenly you feel like you can, uh, your sense of taste goes nuts. You can taste cardinal directions. Like you can taste north and you can taste the brick wall that you are looking across from. Um, and y you you swear in a very strange sense, you're even able to taste the locations of your friends um, and the locations <laughs> of uh, the Nolastrian guard that you are hiding from. In game terms, this is something that makes your sense of taste... Uh, extremely sensitive and it becomes <laughs> a way for you to gain knowledge. Uh, and so you have to roll, you can roll to understand the world through various ways uh, through your sense of taste. And that is D-Will plus D-8 plus your level. And depending upon how well you do, you learn more or less by tasting the environment by just existing in it. <laughs> Well, Remy's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it is not, even though it looks like bandages, it is not bandages. Uh, I guess he's he's gunched up. I think he's going to take another hit of gunch and then use his fucking pin and try and go that direction now that he's calmed down a bit. Yeah, great. Because I feel like this, this uh, super sensing thing is like a shock to the system. Yeah, it's probably a little unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, he's not having a good time, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, so I guess he's going to hit that gunch and then head towards the party. Okay. Um, Three more health. All right, he's at a respectable 10. Zestino and Mercus are up in front of everyone, and you're continuing your casual conversation. Zestino looks very tense and is work walking with purpose, but is trying very hard to just make it appear as though the two of you are just friends out for a stroll. Is Mercus sort of like mm. matching that energy? Mercus is uncharacteristically calm. <laughs> and sort of has the walking gait of Matthew McConaughey in True Detective. Jesus. <laughs> uh -huh. Is he saying anything about the nature of time or perhaps flat circles? Yeah. He just is just saying slowly, so we're on nose. <laughs> just to no one in particular, <laughs> but still engaging in the government. You ask this question as you reach the border road and Zestino says, well, <clears throat> I mean, not not anymore. Uh, and she turns right and then uh, after a couple paces, turns right again and starts walking up the next peninsula over, uh, which is called Arbide. Uh, and yes, you're walking against a flow of people. It's very late in the evening. It's probably like early, early morning now, you know, like the early shifts 
for work are going to begin in probably the next two or three hours. Um, but you're walking against a flow of people. There's the small trickle of people who are uh, walking down Arbide and going back in the direction you came, up Nose, uh, ostensibly to see what all the hullabaloo is about. It seems like maybe word has traveled about some doings that are transpiring. It's mm. a 10 or so minute walk up Arbide um, uh, until you get to the marina. It is a sort of um, mixed industrial and residential zone, but after a little while, you get to this huge branching, almost like fractal collection of piers and walkways and uh, small edifices that just reaches out and out and out onto the bayou. You see all of these boats, um, all of these like small, skinny gondola-like ships, all of these huge yacht-like monstrosities, um, boats and vessels of all sizes. Zestino is leading you very confidently down these narrowing walkways and boardwalks past, uh, you know, this thing that you don't, you recognize only because the memory has been implanted that it seems like all of these slips each have their own little hut that's associated with it, like a small house or closet or workshop or something. It seems like this is a, a like a common thing. Uh, and then she stops uh, after, you know, feels like a, a short walk. You realize now you are kind of out in the middle of the bayou uh, on these this weird, you know, pier walkway. She stops in front of one of those small huts and it has a handmade sign on the front of it that says M. Tolaney, P-T-O-L-E-N-Y. And she opens the door and steps aside for you to walk in. Marcus nods and walks in. So inside, it's like a double-wide outhouse. Um, it's not it's not <laughs> huge. It's It really is like a kind of just a walk-in closet, um, but not a big walk-in closet. But it's cozy. It's uh, sort of dark wood construction. There's a tiny workbench to the left. Um, there's a shelf uh, on the far wall with like boat and engine repair manuals and maps um, uh, on it. Uh, there's a small footlocker. Uh, there's like a little um, refrigerator that's similar to the one she had in her apartment. Uh, there's a few paintings just around. Um, one of them on the right-hand wall as you walk in is very notable. It's large and it's black and white. Uh, it's high contrast and it's this weird tangle of stairs and pathways uh, with this blue sky orb in the middle. And you can see a man standing straight, like, you know, standing straight up atop a flight of stairs looking into the horizon of this orb in the top left corner of the uh, of the painting, and then you see a woman also standing, uh, looking at the horizon of this thing upside down at the top of her own like inverted staircase in the bottom right hand corner and it's just like hot like a very strange striking piece of art that doesn't really like <laughs> yeah. fit in a very you know, humble yeah, yeah. mike I'm, I'm just glad it took us this many episodes to mention that there's an orb in this story uh, yeah <laughs> took long enough the orb is the chorus of every tale you want to get to it as soon as possible yeah i, I feel like have we got have we done an or have we gotten to orbs in in fun city uh, regular That's classic a good yet? <laughs> I'm going to put it in the, no, put it in the so. notebook. Uh, as soon as we're back, orbs. More orbs. Great, thank you. All the orbs. More orbs. Um, uh, <laughs> After you walk in, um, you know, there's enough room. Zestino walks in behind you, closes the door, and she walks right past you uh, straight to the back wall of the hut, which is the wall that on the other side of it is the bayou. So, you know, there's there's water on the other side of it. She bends down, like sort of rummages behind some things. You hear a clicking sound 
And as she stands, the wood panel wall uh, that is there just disappears into the ceiling with a clattering sound, like it's one of those roll-top writing desks. And she reveals behind it, behind this false wooden wall, an ashy white stone wall with a small hole in the middle. And it's got a single blue stone set into it right above the hole. She reaches under her blazer and under her shirt, and she pulls out this big handful, this tangle of necklaces that she's been wearing. Um, And she starts picking through them. She's got all these little charms in them. And she finds one that she pulls out, and it looks like it's, you know, kind of shaped like an axe. And it's got a similar-looking blue stone on it. And she very carefully removes it from the clasp and takes it off of her necklace and shoves the bolus of necklaces back under her shirt. And she turns back to Mercus and she holds up the little axe thing with the blue stone in it. She looks at Mercus and she says, don't blink. She turns around. And she places the charm in front of the blue stone. Puts it in the hole. He's been dismissively just kind of puts his hands on his hips like, what do you mean? (laughs) And then nothing happens. And then nothing happens. She pulls it out and she goes, fuck. Um, And she like breathes on it and rubs it against her shirt, puts it in again. Should I hold my breath? <laughs> and nothing happens. She goes, sorry, this is kind of like <clears throat> Millen's area of expertise. He built this. Um, ah, I don't know. You guys were like saying lines back at the apartment. I-, I thought it would be cool if I said a line. I'm sorry. This is sort of anticlimactic. Uh, hold on. Um, uh, and she like looks kind of flustered like she doesn't know what to do. What's everybody else doing? Yeah, you guys are walking against a sea of people. Um Every once in a while, uh, someone gives you a weird look um, because you're carrying someone who appears to be unconscious. Is Oat making a lot of noise? Is he quiet? Like He's trying not to, but he is groaning and and letting out little... uh. Beta keeps on saying appendicitis. Uh, We'll deal with it when we get home. (laughs) 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 That's not a home disease. (laughs) No. Uh, we'll take care of the appendicitis at home. Uh, as you say this to a group of people who are giving you a look like, what the hell is going on here? Um, as they pass by you, you hear one of them say, hey, do, uh, do Harry June have appendices? Append- appendices? Appendixes? And uh, you, you, do not, you do not hear what their friends uh, <laughs> reply. Um, I rolled to see whether or not um, any members of the Nolastrian Guard see you and find you suspicious. And at this point, uh, the answer is no. Uh, you see some conveyance um, blast by you uh, with the sirens going, um, but they do not stop and pay you any mind. Remy, are you uh, just booking it towards Arbide? Yeah, sprinting. <laughs> Mercus, back in the hut. Are you sure it's that one? Do you need help <laughs> untangling the rest of them? Uh, she looks, she pulls out her necklace uh, and she's like, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely this one. And she holds the two things next to one another. She said, I, you know, Millen explained it to me once that like sometimes it gets on. Unst- it has to do with the resonances between the two stones and the way time and space work in the, yeah, I don't know. I, I, to be perfectly honest, when he explained it, I kind of tuned him out a little bit. I, uh, it usually just works. Um, Time and space. Can I try? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and she hands you the little golden axe with the um, with the stone in it. Yeah, Murgis is is just saying time and space, time and space. <laughs> he just uh, holds it up to the wall. 
and sees if that makes a difference. As you're holding it, you get a very similar feeling that you got when you were holding the map that the Onverter handed you, the four-dimensional spherical uh, like projection mm. map. You know that feeling that Banshees get when they look at a tack map, which is like, it's like this sort of mental calculation that's hard to describe but happens when you look at the the coordinates that get you to where you need to go using a Stiffworks. You got the similar thing when the Onverter handed you weird spherical projection map. You get it again holding onto this thing, except instead of this ever-shifting four-dimensional map for an estate, uh, this is just a map from one place to another place, just always evolving through this maze of, like, weird, indescribable causality. You have a feeling that you, you know how to use it. Marcus does his thinking noise. <laughs> does anything happen when he just like rotates it like 90 degrees or something? Please spend D will grit. Okay. I will is sorry. Um D8 4. I'm gonna spend four. When you turn the little axe in the hole and you feel some effort expended by your body and your mind. Uh-huh. With no pageantry, with no sound, with no force of any kind, the wall in front of you just disappears. It just blinks out of existence, and you are looking into a small cave, cavern, probably about twice the size of Zestino's apartment. The rock is light-colored and dusty. It's geometric with these straight, uh, like, up-and-down, you know, vertical plinths rising from the ground and descending from the ceiling. Uh, small ridges have been turned into makeshift shelves and, like, little storage nooks for more things that look like they came out of this hut that you're standing in. There are some tools that are scattered around. There's no other discernible entrance or exit into the small cave that you're looking into. The rock itself seems to emit a, a kind of dull light. Zeshno starts to walk, th- gets this look of like, um, sort of surprise, but also uh, um, appreciation. And she says, I mean, you could have said you were a banshee. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like holds up the thing and says, we're in. <laughs> we're in. <laughs> She starts to she starts to walk into the cave and then puts her finger up and turns goes back into the hut goes over to the painting and spins it by its center so that the woman is now in the top left corner and the man is in the bottom right corner and she says if we hide in here no one will be able to find us amazing <laughs> I guess he's just so fascinated by this. A lot of technical marvels in the but room. Does he go back into his young voice when he says that? I actually love that. No. That's so funny. I just can't control my voice. I don't know. He's made like puberty for him, yeah. I think. Uh, Remy probably pulls up at this point since he's been sprinting for like the last 30 minutes. Yeah, you get to the hut that uh, the memory of which has been inserted um, into your mind. Um, and when you walk through the front door, you see Zestino and um, Mercus standing in this strange, cozy workshop. But one wall of it extends into a cave that is far too large to be contained in this tiny room. Um, and Zestino is spinning a painting and she looks at you and she says, just in time. Uh, Remy uh, walks forward and just collapses. And Marcus just looks down. Uh, 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 oh. Zestino points like, feel like, feel like that's been coming a long time. Oh, no, just help me, help me, help me, help me get in. Uh. Yeah, Marcus gives the, the trinket back to Zestino and goes to help Remy up to sit somewhere. 
back to Beta, Venos, and Oat. Um, I have rolled again just to make sure that you do not have an encounter with the Nolastrian guard. And um, one of them, uh, as you're walking, you're getting close to the marina. Um, you you know that you're probably only about maybe three minutes away from getting to the hut. And uh, on Arbide is one of the Nolastrian guard like uh, main precincts. So you're actually walking towards where a lot of the conveyance is coming from and where the guards are sort of like piling out um, the precinct to head to Nose to see what the what the commotion is about. And um, one of them pulls nec- up next to you, uh, you know, is driving towards you, and you're walking forward and uh, sticks their head out. Um, it's uh, it's a, um, a blue-skinned human man like Canary, and uh, and he says, "You uh, you folks having a good night?" <laughs> um. Venos um, acts uh, surprised. He's like, oh, oh, oh hey. <laughs> well, good evening, officer. <laughs> you startled me there. <laughs> oh, yes, we are well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Oh, good, good, good. How's your friend? Our friend is not well. He partied a little bit too hard. <laughs> not used to the, um, uh, oh, what is that drink here called? Um, the rock? He's not used to the rock here. Um <laughs> Um, yes, he definitely smelled what the rock was cooking, if you, if you got my meaning. Um, a million years in the future, oh, that shit. phrase It, it means something totally different. It's a different reference. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Total it's coincidence. a coincidence. <laughs> I mean, Don't worry about it. Uh, when, you, when you say that he has partied too hard um, and that he uh, has hit the sauce a little bit too much, uh, he lightens up a little bit and he says, oh. We've all been there. We've all been there. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a lot going on this evening. A lot of lot of troublemakers out there. So uh, you just you be careful and you get your friend home to rest real real quick. Where uh you where where are you headed? Oh, just a few blocks away actually. Yes, we'll 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 stay out of that trouble for you and you be safe. Okay. Oh great. Yeah, you you as well. And uh, he motors off. Ben. Ah. Whoa. <laughs> Save Venus. I was gonna immediately say appendicitis, but uh, it doesn't seem to. Yes, be. but that's something that the, that police officer would be required to call a hospital for. Right, 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 right. We better get yes, going. We, we don't treat that. We don't treat that at home, like I've told you many times. Right, um, I have it's no. It's not appendices. something that you do. You need to have it removed. I know. <laughs> Zestino and Mercus help Remy into the inexplicable blue-white cavern, and Zestino pulls down the wooden roll wall. Through the still-disappeared hole in the rock, they can hear the boathouse creak and sway, the light morning wind, and the distant hum of the barges in the bayou. After a short while, they also hear footsteps uneven and labored, two people carrying something heavy. Venos and Beta, with Oat, arrive at the hut, and its far wall retreats into its ceiling, revealing an impossible room on the other side, though a room filled with friendly faces. Zestino beckons them in and, after a few tries, seals the door. The sound of the Nolastrian morning cuts out suddenly. For now, they are alone and apparently safe.
Binos is um, ticked off. He doesn't carry heavy things. He doesn't like carrying heavy things. <laughs> he's old. He's uh, he's time travel ridden. Um, he's uh, not made for carrying, um, you know, dying people. Um, and so he comes in with a huff, places Oat down gently, and then glares straight at Remy. At Remy, if if Remy's in the area, I don't know if he's still in. The, I think uh, Remy's passed out uh, against one wall. Okay, well he stares at him still, even though he's passed out. <laughs> Incredible place you got here. Uh, sorry, I should have explained. Um, Millen, uh, this is Millen's slip. Uh, he'll be here pretty. He'll be here pretty soon, I think. He's coming in from the north, uh, where he works in the unwinter on something you probably haven't heard about. It's called the Folded City. He was able to. I barely understand it myself. He describes it as borrowing a part of it and has connected it to his boathouse. Um, and we just sort of use this as a, like a hiding spot sometimes um, when we need it or just like, you know, like a private getaway, like hangout. Right now you're not in No Laster. Uh, you're in the Unwinter, very far in the north, um, in a part of it that you can't get to from any other spot other than No Laster. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I feel... <clears throat> Somewhat, uh, uh, I, I didn't feel like I was traveling, but then again, it's hard to feel much. I'm so tired. Millen says everyone should have a hideout. I don't know if that's true. Um, he thinks it's really cool. Uh, he did a lot of work to try to make this work. Um, and uh, I guess I'm, I'm glad we have it. Hey, what was the deal with the monster? Do you guys know <laughs> uh, what that thing was? Oh, the, 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 uh, Remy would know what this is, right? I probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. That's uh, that's the emissary. He's uh, like an old school the, buddy of yours. The <laughs> emissary? Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> are they coming back? Um. Well, uh, it depends on, uh, you know, I, so uh, to explain what happened. So remember when I was like, ah, oh, we got to find Zeshino. So I, I'm going to call her mm -hmm. on the spiritual telephone. I didn't use those yeah. words exactly. Yeah. So that's what happens when I do that. Oh, it does. Mm. Well, Maybe. yeah. Maybe maybe discuss with the group before you use that phone line again. Oh, yeah, hardly well, seems it's, worth it. it. It was pretty desperate. I mean, Venus, you would know. You, you know, like, was beings beyond space and time. Well, yes, sort of I thing. do, but I, I yeah. don't know what stopped it, except for the star that Oat carries. Seems to have undone it somehow. Oat! Oat! Oh! Uh. This is not heaven. This is hell. You are in hell. Beta, he needs help. Uh, I have I have nothing left in me to help heal him more. Hold on, I got something. I got something for you. Remy walks over and uh, shoves some gunch in his mouth. Remy, <laughs> don't jump, buddy. Remy, just unbutton the top button of my pants. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Beta, does your phone line do that? Does it summon things? Oh, not yet. But what do you mean, not yet? I mean, now it's got me thinking. I've never really had an issue, but... Oh, how many times have you used that with us? <laughs> I, just, I just, you know, I, we, it seemed like a desperate situation, and it seemed like a desperate measure. So, you know, I, was, I made the phone call. Yes, yes. You did it before on the other timeline, too. But... Excuse me? It doesn't matter. Oat, Oat, can you hear me? Yeah, thank you, Remy, for unbuttoning the top of my pants. It just makes it easier to breathe. Oh, Ooh. we need to get you some bigger pants. Uh, I smart all over. 
You sure can, you don't want some gunch, buddy? Oh, no. I, I've still got some in my cheek. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. I get it, by the way. I get gunch now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, see, you understand. Finally, someone on my side. Yeah, it doesn't just look cool. It also feels good. Uh, Zeshino just puts a quick hand up and like she wants to ask a quick question. And she says, um, do we think we're going to stay here for a, a few minutes? We're not about to head back out like immediately. Is that right? Because <laughs> uh, Zesh, where the fuck are we going to go? Yeah. Okay, I don't think it's a good idea <laughs> yeah, so to leave. We have so much then, to learn here from Oat. Great. Um, so then she says, okay, then I think I can help. Um, she goes to a small section of the rocks and she like pulls the, the top off of them and reveals um, what is like a little storage container. Hmm. And she starts to pull out bottles and cans and bags of food. And she starts handing them out to everybody. As huh. long as you guys promise that what you're about to do takes an hour, then everybody can... Um, gain a bunch of health because uh, Zeshino is using one of her powers, mm. which is called feed, where Yay. she literally just hands people like the, the, the language in the book is jerky and booze. All right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. This is great. Zesh, baby. This is okay. Do we roll for Let how me, much we get or we just heal up? No, I roll. Um, and Zesh is a level 10 character. So Whoa. Nice. Ooh, Zeshino. Everybody can heal. 24 pool. Wow. Wow. However they like. Damn. Nice. Oh, wow. That is exactly what I want. 24 pool. So I'll just give myself 20 grit and take that for health. Maybe, maybe less. Almost Ooh. gives me back full. It, back at full. Yeah. Uh, and this is just because we're eating and boozing. Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> This is a refactor power. Uh, she can she can spend an amount of grit, uh, and then she rolls her charm uh, plus, and then adds her level. Um, and her charm is her highest stat, and her level is ten. So wow. The fact we that we are feeling it. better um, doesn't really surprise Venus very much. Uh, everybody's just like really enjoying this jerky and it's got a nice um, kind of spice to it and they're warm spices and it really is great. It feels like home and the booze is nice. Um, but when he looks at Oat, and Oat is just like in this almost dead state going from basically the worst person you could find in a hospital <laughs> to basically like the most healthy sort of monkey man you could ever you could ever see. It really is truly like looking at a miracle. Well, I think like, that God. I think that Beta's healing saved his life. Right. And now he's getting his energy back. Mm -hmm. So he sits up. Oh, thank you. No, this smells so good. Thank you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm feeling much better. And yeah. he leans over and you hear a and the green star jewel that had been pressed into his chest <laughs> by the emissary pops out. Ooh. And beneath it is just like a pink imprint in his flesh um it's like you know he's covered in hair but not here you can mm -hmm. just see a few baby hairs starting to grow back <laughs> from wow. combats uh from beta's healing uh and he he holds the stone in his hand wow that's that top button huh mr oat what was that about back there <sighs> yes what is that that you hold in your hand yeah how'd you you sent it back dude uh, i didn't do anything uh i i was i just wanted to help remy but uh yeah, I guess um, it I saw it coming at me and it was it happened really fast, but it it, it was going to go through my chest and then it hit the postulate and just stopped. I mean, it hurt like hell. 
postulate? Venus is looking around like a postulate. Does it does everybody know about the postulate? What what, what postulate? Like math? Uh I think so. <laughs> uh, so you're saying you're telling me math did did the thing to the thing and deflated the noodle? Yeah, um, this is um it was the Onvaders. And um a very long time ago. Uh, God, it's hard to, you know, remember details, but I got hired to steal it from her, and that's how we met. Ah, so those were memories that we saw. What did you think they were? Well, I didn't know in, until just now. He's, he's mm. saying that mm. this is true. He was hired to, to, to take this postulate from, from the invader. Is that correct, Oat? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what it is? Did you know at the time? What is that? Uh, no, that's really kind of above my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> I am a guy who can get things. I am not a guy who understands things. So what? So you've just been carrying it around this the whole time? Yeah. What happened to the people who wanted it? Oh, um, I mean, first of all, I don't even know if they're alive or dead. But also, if I don't give it to them, then like I never, I never finished the job. So it's kind of like an open thread for me, I think. So you what? still intend to give this to these people? I wasn't planning on it, no. Well, oh, I am really glad you had it, because if not, that emissary, mm, I don't think we were headed in a great direction. Yeah, it really didn't seem like we were going to be able to... Gaussian something! They were called like, um, Gauss, uh, Gaussy something. Oh, see, Maybe something. goose? Definitely not goose. Goose? Hmm. Oh, just goss some dorks. So just some like, you know, just matatanda? like absolute. N what? The goss matatanda? Yes, you know them. No, I've only heard <laughs> oh. tell. Well, yeah, it was them. You know, weirdo like uh, uh, math, science, research freaks. And they are freaks. Whatever you've heard, they are so much worse freaks. <laughs> it's like a math cult. Math. Well, hmm. But no, it's this was theirs. And uh, the invader captured it in some battle or something she was in. And uh, I actually, I never spoke to her about it. Because, you know, that's just, that's not what you do. Uh, even if, even if, even if you break the rules, you know, in the back of your mind, you still, you don't want to give up the whole game. So, you know, I never actually asked her about it. All I know is that she uh, she wore it around all the time. Oat, do you mind if I speak with it? Um, just, <laughs> I hope that, are, are you sure that's okay? I mean, we just saw what happened when that, when that thing touched it. Mm, I'm not sure. But, yeah, but, Venus, I don't want to see that happen to you. But if you think it's okay, I mean, yeah. Mi casa y su casa. <laughs> Spanish has survived one million years. <laughs> you know, oh, I think, you know, if anything's going to deflate, it's that rock. We know this is a freaking dude. I don't think so. This is a piece uh, of serious business. Mm -hmm. They were going to pay me enough money to buy a small planet on my own if I was to give it back to them. I mean, the invader like, would put everything else in the vault, but this she wore, and she did not take it off. Well, I have questions. You gonna do the thing to the rock that you did to the paper? What? Yes. You gonna do the thing to the rock that you did with the paper? You yes. gonna zone out for a little while and pretend like you're talking to the? I'm not pretending anything now. Sure. <laughs> um, so Venus reaches out and gently touches it. All right. 
Um, and so I am, I just needed to burn one grit. I will probably burn more than that because it's reason uh, plus my level. So I'm rolling 14, but I want to roll a 12. So I'm going to probably burn six more grit. Um, yeah. He wants to talk to the rock. You need to talk to <laughs> the I mean, look, it's got to it's take huh. a lot of stuff to talk to the rock. Um, okay. Rocks are, you know, historically hard to talk to. It's like squeezing, like, you know, the saying, it's like squeezing conversation from a rock. Right. <laughs> like, and, uh, Oat is calling it a rock, like, in a bit of a sassy thing. It is an extraordinarily yeah. beautiful thousand faceted gem that's like mm. bigger okay. than your hand. Like, it's <laughs> to call it a rock is in, insulting, but you know, that's that's a- okay. Venus wrote a 19, which is more than enough to get all three facts. Uh, again, to remind everyone, when I speak with steel, I can either learn how the object was made socially, not technically. So, you know, who made, who made it, uh, who last used it, or how it really works. And that's more on the technical side, less on the historical side, like the first one. Uh, if you get a 12 or higher, you learn all three. So I'm, I've am i rolled a 19. Uh, Venus uh, reaches his hand out to touch the star, and it feels like a thousand years between when he's six inches away until he touches it. And then, out of respect for this object, it, it's like waking up your your parents... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> when, you know, in the middle of the night, um, when you really don't want to, um, Vino speaks very gently and he says, <clears throat> and this is in his mind, excuse me. Behold, the Oregon postulate. Hello, I am but a humble traveler. I seek to know how you were made. We are so glad you are talking to us. Oh, we good. have been quiet and alone for so long. Oh, Was yeah. that you earlier? Yes. Well, uh, well uh, you mean uh, the one who, who, who hit you really hard into a Harajun's chest? Yes, that's a way to put it. That wasn't that wasn't me. That was a, an interdimensional tentacle monster. Yeah, no, we no, can I'm... tell. Okay, good, 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 good. I'm so glad, glad that you you wish to speak with me sometimes. Oh, so can... much. Yes. Oh, we used great. to be surrounded. So many minds. Yes. Oh, all right. I, I'm. I'm. I, I take it that I I am in the presence of more than one. Are you a part of the Gauss Maratanda? No, I'm familiar though. You know them? Well, I've heard tell. Oh. Um, but you know, as uh, while we're on the t topic, uh, could could you tell me about them and how they made you? The Gauss Matatanda sought to do what no one thought was possible. We are pure postulation, physical computation. The idea of process made steel and stone. We are the Origamon postulate. Uh. I, I see. I see. And what did they make you for? A great anchor. A great filter. It's hard to describe like this. Your brain is very small. Yes, I know. Um, we are... And you see, like, images, like, flickering in your mind. Mm -hmm. uh, Venus, when was the last time you had to follow written instructions? Oh, um, I'm sure that there was a type of space snack that I needed to make sure that I ate right or I'd die. 
<laughs> okay, great. So in your mind, like you can kind of right. you're back in that spot and you've got the package of the space a uh, space snack in yeah. your hand. Only yes. like the ingredients and the like warnings: don't eat before you swim or whatever. Right. Uh, you know those common warnings that we all know. Uh, yes. You see them like change around and they say uh, higher n-dimensional beings or objects who eat, devour, taste of this snack might find themselves unfolded into three-dimensional space. Warning, this action is permanent. Is that better when we put it in chips? Do you understand chip language? Um, I think it helps a bit. It, it, it seems like you are something that unfolds in dimensional objects into three dimensions. He's um, getting it. Okay. Okay. In, in, a, in a sort of a irreversible way. Uh, that we know of, yes. Oh, great, great, great. Who, who last Perhaps thing? a second origamon postulate will be made. Until then, we cannot know. For I a see. postulate cannot know. It's sub or later postulates. Well, how do you work? How are you with number theory? I, I've had to use it some in my, um, science. We are an instantiation of a theoretical consummation, dealing with the hypothetical translation of n-dimensional precipitative matter intersectional in common perception states. That is, perception states common to you, i.e. most perception in three-dimensional space. Ah. When we interact with higher n-dimensional beings or objects, we translate them into the n-dimensional space by which you usually perceive reality. Imagine... A piece of paper. <laughs> you are back in that place where you were, and you're holding a piece of paper, uh, and it just says <laughs> chips on it. Yes. Uh, in like a back big 48 chips, yes. point Times New Roman chips. <clears throat> yes. Imagine a piece of paper. It has height and width, but now imagine turning that piece of paper on its side, a straight hmm. line. You have removed one dimension. Now imagine that this is possible from 47 dimensions to four. Right. See, and a being like the saffron anox. I do not know him? what those words mean. I but see. please tell me about yourself. <laughs> tell me about the saffron anox. What are you into? The saffron anox. <laughs> is that a kind of hobby? It is not a kind of hobby or a kind of chip. It doesn't matter. I think you may come in good use for oh, us. Oh, we definitely will. You should After keep all. us around and talk to us often. <laughs> I will try. Thank you for your time. Oh, wait, no, no, what? stay. Oh, wait, sorry, who last used you? Oh, well, um, uh, use is strange. Um, yes. We last touched a being that was unfolded into four-dimensional space uh, um, yes. just a few hours ago. Oh, Yes, right. we have a clock in here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that will be all I need to know for now. I appreciate that, your help. we were yes? only used in experiments by the Gauss Matatanda. Do you know them? I've heard tell of the Gauss Matatanda. I know, I already asked you that. I'm, I'm <laughs> digging a reason. I, I want you to stay around. I understand. Can you return us to the Gauss Matatanda? If it is to be, it is to be. Thank well, you for your... I mean, you would know if that's something you could do. I do not know if that is something I could do, as I've only heard tell of the Gauss Matatanda. I do not know if I could get you back to them, because I don't know if they still exist, or I where they are. We did not mean to make you mad. I apologize. 
<laughs> well, don't apologize to me. You've been very helpful. Thank you very much. Oh, you thank will be you. with no, us. Please don't go. Oh, what? What else <laughs> is it? I don't. I'm just. You cannot understand the loneliness we experience. Please. Stay. Okay. Well, just kind of listen when from? we're around. You seem to have some clue about what's going on. You. Where you are you from? Only a little bit. <laughs> I can only know what approaches my least intimate barrier. Well, what look, you are touching. Can I, can I give you a tip on making friends? Yes, and give as many tips as you would like to give. Okay, I'll give you one tip now and then maybe one tip much later, okay? Not too much later, though. Okay, not too much later. <laughs> Don't be a burden immediately when you just meet someone, all right? You Keep said I nice. was helpful. Keep it pleasant. Yes, you, you were, we helpful. were helpful. <laughs> now you're becoming a social <laughs> hindrance to me. My friends and I have a lot to do, and we can't be talking with things, all this. And at this point, Venus is, is finding himself speaking out loud, and he looks around, and everybody's looking at <laughs> At him and then he just um let's go stops touching the um the uh stone wait <laughs> this extremely needy very powerful beautiful gem so just clarification how long was that for the rest of us like is oh, that yeah. in an instant for you or is it was it like 20 minutes I, I I never really thought about how long this takes. I, I imagine it's probably quicker than a whole conversation would take for me. But I, Mike, do, does the does the rule book or anything that you've ever played have any comment on this, like canon wise? I believe this is. Make I believe this up. is. I a, think we could just decide. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. I believe this is a standard action, and so I think that it happens in real okay. time. And then it happens in real time. Yeah. I think it just it takes as long as a conversation yep. takes, and then I think that's that also explains why, like in the past, you when you've been standing around talking yeah, to yeah. a fold gates stabilizer or a piece of paper the people who are with you are looking at you like what's going on yes. dude <laughs> um yes it does take as long as it is as a regular conversation i do not need to speak out loud but it is very easy for me to just slip into speaking out loud because <laughs> i you know it is it does become like talking to someone like how real it is in my head so i often will go to mumbling or like this um in the conversation and kind of loud uh, toned speaking <laughs> Yeah, not knowing how long this was going to be, Mercus settled in and like <laughs> sat on the ground and asked Jeshino for the bundle of necklaces so he could try to just untangle it for her. Yeah, she hands it to you. It's like a yeah, it's it's maybe a dozen or more necklaces that are all just in a in a nest. He's just going. <laughs> uh, we don't know how long these conversations can last. Uh, she says, "Oh, believe me, I, I watched him talk to a flyer for about ten minutes." <laughs> he did. He talked to a flyer? Oh, um, uh, he, when we had to move Boo, Venus thought it would be a good idea to make sure that he didn't have anything, you know, just to check and see what he had on him. Uh, and uh, one of the things that he found uh, was, uh, he actually, he might still have it, um, was this flyer uh, from Pirate Island that's like this propaganda campaign uh that has been going on over there uh that's like about how how bad the co is and how it wants to become like a, a world government uh which is just like total nonsense and i, was, I said to Vino, I was like i was you know it's so disappointing to see it on on boo like he was so much smarter than that and I, you know i don't know i can't help but think that that's part of what led him to do what he did what did it say well it basically turns um in-dimensional in objects and beings into three-dimensional ones irreversibly what does that mean well that emissary was obviously an indimensional being um so a, a being that exists in more dimensions than than three plus space by touching the star it became uh, a three-dimensional being and can't can't go back 
Zestino looks at Marcus and says, you ever seen ham go through a meat slicer? It's like ham going through a meat slicer. I mean, we... <laughs> oh, Did it say anything right, about me Marcus. in particular? Didn't mention you at all. Oh, I mean, God, oh thank God. Why? <laughs> what, is, I, what were you worried well, it would I say? Just, like, I just put it on top of the box where I keep my clothes and stuff when I'm, you know, just at home. So, like, it's seen some things. <laughs> uh, listen, team, did we... Uh... Did we ever figure out why the police came to the apartment? No. Zestino, Zestino starts to nod. She said, yeah, did you did you hear what that Hannah said before the pirates showed up? Yes, they were there because of a murder of you. She said she said someone called to report the murder of a missing fleeter. Yes, but you weren't that dead. That boo was not a fleeter. No. The person who reported the murder knew of your murder before they could. They must have they must have called that hit. They were involved at the very least. Yes. Is there any way you can trace that back? Uh I do not have any contacts at the Nolastrian Guard, no. Oh. Different organization. Not the fleet. Very much so. Different, yes. Well it seems like Boo was involved. And Boo, maybe we should ask someone who knows what Boo's been up to. Yes. She's thinking really hard. She's like the guard and the pirates are now going to report that a fleeter or a, a group of fleeters have killed a freedom fighter because by this point they've figured out that Boo is in the apartment and is dead. They spread word, which they almost certainly will. Then that's going to incite the accelerationists and probably some portion of the pirates, which means that the guard is going to then fight back, which means that they're going to be incited even more, and then probably the company is going to have to take a side or defend their outposts, which is going to look like, it's going to look like they're taking a side, even if they don't. They're, they're going to have to defend themselves from whoever comes at them first. Mm. And then Thwolf is going to use this as an excuse to isolate, because tensions on the continent are going to increase. And then Hauktik is going to suffer, because trade with other states through Thwolf is going to be restricted. Ugh, and this is just going to cause everything that I have been trying to prevent. Yes, um, it seems we're in a pickle. Um, what I can say is, one, the Anox uh, appears, based on our experience in your documents, to be in cohorts with a company and is most likely responsible for your assassination success and then attempt and then failure. It seems that we may have been meant to take the blame in some way for your death, thus absolving the company and the Anox from any responsibility of starting this war. With you alive, we have the opportunity now to prove that they were the one who sent the assassin, that they were the one who started this war for their own gain. I don't know what leads you have, but I only have one, this <laughs> flyer. Um, and he shows the uh, flyer that was, on, that was on Boo's person. I spoke with this flyer and found who made it. And perhaps upon speaking with them, we can find out who Boo was consorting with. I mean, going to Grafa, uh, if word travels fast that we, uh, you know, even in defense, off to pirate, you know, if things get tense quick, it could be really dangerous. However, while we're there, I could try to get us audience with Steady Hand Dealer, who is, uh, he's a pretty high up pirate. He's the guy that I've been working with to hide all the arms. You know, he holds a lot of sway. We could try to also, you know, if we have more evidence from wherever this flyer came from, 
and you you talk to the flyer, so I trust you. I did not talk to the flyer. Yes. But yeah, there's more than one thing we could do on Grafa if we want to go if we want to go that route. As you said, us killing a pirate even in self-defense doesn't look good. But what about a pirate who was working with the Anarchs and the company for their ends and not for the ends of the pirates? A traitor. I think that pirate would come off very differently to the rest of them. And perhaps war, another conflict, could be avoided. She swipes the flyer from you and she looks at it and she turns it around and she says, Are you telling me that you think this is some kind of co-psyop? Perhaps, uh, unless you think it's a coincidence that a pirate came to assassinate you when the company and the Anox were working together to have your work to be undone. Boo was trying to convince you to let the weapons be free for how long? I don't know how long he was serious for. He made what I thought were jokes, you know, starting maybe a couple months ago. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, he was, you could tell he was getting more um, shady. Uh, over the last couple of weeks. And what was his tune before a couple of months ago? Did he share these feelings or did he reverse them? Oh, uh, you know, he's uh, he was a pirate. Uh, he got into it because he wanted to cause trouble. He wanted to stick it to mm. the man. So, I mean, he always uh, was a sort of anti-establishment kind of guy. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't until recently where he, he like really started to sing the accelerationist tune. And it, it, yeah, it happened, you know, like a lot of things, slowly at first and then... Tell me this, what do you think the chances are of the pirates winning this war? I mean, the pirates are going to win no matter what, because all they want to do is profit. Mm. R really, the thing I, I want to try to avoid is a power vacuum where they see a good reason to release all the weapons that I've had them store up over the years... Uh, you know, if someone comes to them with an idea that conflict is profitable and they can make a pretty penny selling the things that I've had them hiding, that's just going to make everything worse. Mm. They're, you know, some some portion of them are going to fight. Yes, absolutely. But what some of them want to see is everyone else fighting amongst themselves. Mm. And I, I don't know. This was stupid of me. You know, I'm kind of the I'm kind of the one that they know to talk to about this. It was like my deal, my project. Yes. Well, it, it seems to me that we, the fleeters here, know too much and have meddled too much. There is no just going back to our lives for us. The people who most likely set us up for your murder are extremely powerful. There will be no hiding. There will be no running that they won't be able to find us and finish the job. We need to find out exactly what they did and cram it down their throats. So you're saying we got to go back to No Laster? Well, yeah, I think we could just go through this door here and it could be back there. I, yeah. I don't think that's gonna, that would be hard. <laughs> okay, you're right. You're yes. right. It's just that everybody's looking for yes, us. That's and true. by everybody, I mean the police. Yeah. The pirates can't be happy because, you know, we killed some of them, mm. I think. True. Uh, you you knew that other pirate. Was it was it Canary? Yeah. Um, he's kind of like the, uh, I don't know how you would describe him. He's kind of like the refactor of the Nolastrian pirates. Oh, so he's like the guy. Uh, he's not the guy, uh, though I do know the guy. And she, mm. she like kind of makes eye contact with all of you. She's like, I mean, if she looks at Remy and Venus and she says, the city is going to be very unsafe for us. We're going to learn a lot as soon as we open that door and step foot 5,000 kilometers south and see what state things are in. But... I am not going to guess that it's going to be good. In general, 
or specifically for us. Why in the world would someone do this? Yeah, Merck is is struggling with this. um, Let's just try to think through what our options are. If you want to go and talk to the pirate, uh, steady hand dealer, I can get audience with him, but we have to get there, which might be complicated. There's a chance Millen could help, and he's supposed to be home soon. There, maybe he be he's going to be waylaid. Who knows if they've closed the northern gate into the city? Uh, he's a pretty high up company researcher, so they'll probably let him through. But the question is, if we're going to go to the pirates, if we're going to go talk to Steady Hand Dealer, I mean, what are we going to say? I mean, what do you want? What do you want to what do you want to do? I can tell you what I want to do, but well, I'm just one person and I've only known you. I've known this guy for two days. I've known you for a very short, very hectic amount of time. Well, based on everything you just said, you're telling us that we essentially started a war. Um. I mean, I I wouldn't lay this at our feet. I would say someone else has tried to start a war using us. But yes. And without us doing anything, that war is going to happen. I, that's good planning. That's con- that's what they call that contingencies. Um yeah, and um I have been working for a number of years, um, as I was explaining, uh, as I have explained to Venus, um, to not make that happen. So if we could stop it, that might be good. Uh, but, ah, uh, and she just looks really, um, exhausted. Uh, like she, sl- she sort of slumps and like her shoulders slump and like her eyes close and it's like, you know, she's in this quiet room 5,000 kilometers north of the trouble that she's uh, that is currently unfolding. And she's like, I just I don't know if you were to t- if you were to tell me that it's I, we should just let it happen. I don't, I don't know if I would argue. It's just been so much work. And it seems like this is not what people want. They don't want peace. Mercus stands up and. uh kind of adjusts the collar on his jumpsuit. Everybody, what were your previous crews like? And Mercus starts telling a yarn about um, just kind of how he started uh, the day of his finding, which is when a researcher took a branch from Darusan of his 26 brothers. It's a flashback of Banshee School with his 26 brothers and... His older brother, Marcos, gets knocked down and he goes to try to help him. But two other twin brothers hold him back and shake their heads. And his last story is of his crew who were trying to escape a burning Hulk. And Marcus is running, running through the gate and holding someone's hand and just emerges with a human hand. And he finishes telling the story and he just says... We were put together on this crew. This was on purpose. Weren't all of your crews disbanded in any way? Uh, Yeah, I would say the ending of my previous crew was somewhat similar to your ending. I mean, I didn't have a crew. This uh, this uh, this work business is pretty recent, uh, I would say, you know, been uh, been been uh, alive for a long time. But only recently. 
I haven't been assigned to a crew in, in years. I've been involved in my research and no one saw much need for me until this very crew. This was not a mistake. I spilled mm. uh, chocolate milk all over my application and Algar told me not to even worry about it. <laughs> That's the most <laughs> suspicious thing I've ever heard. No, Algar, no, it's Algar, Algar only cares about paperwork. It's great. Well, yes, I don't... It goes up to Algar. Algar cares about p- paperwork more than anything else. I don't understand why he wouldn't... No. That's all he cares about is paperwork. That's why I bring it up now. No, no, he's just a forgiving... Forgiving, forgiving refactor. Well, with a heart know, of gold. Zestino's looking at everyone else like, what the... Marcus, say what you're saying. Somebody did this to us. We need to find out who. You know, I like to think that every fleeter is disposable, but I think you're right. You're absolutely right. And Zastano, you might not care about the war that would kill millions, but you care about your own life because the people who attempted to kill you are not done yet. When they find that you're alive, they will try to kill you again. You're a loose thread that needs to be tied up, as are we. We all were supposed to go down for this. She's like nervously sort of like braiding and unbraiding her hair and she kind of snaps out of it. She's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I I just it's hard to keep focus on such a huge problem. And it's much, much easier to just give up. But you're right. Yeah. So I guess to start at the beginning, sort of. But uh, who do you know who would want you dead? I mean, you were fucking uh, helping deliver weapons to some to some people. Seems like a pretty dangerous job. You must have some enemies. Uh, I mean, hide weapons, but yes. I mean, think about every venture that you've been on as a crew together and with your previous crews, if you had them in this company doing these things that they ask you to do. I mean, you make enemies. It's hard to not make enemies in this job. I mean, that's part of why I did what I did. Like, I I thought... What is it like to try to unmake enemies, if that's even possible? So, I mean, to answer your question, you know, who would want me dead? Pfft, get in line. Well, we know that the Saffron Anox and his business partner, Archivist Hracked, wanted Zashdano out of the way. Uh, that is the most immediate answer to the question, I think. Yes. Um, oh, no, you don't think it was like a grade school bully or something? It wasn't a grade <laughs> school bully, Oat. <laughs> uh, it would be quite the convenient twist if this were happening at the hands of someone who I had pissed off during some field work 25 years ago. <laughs> um, uh, Machinations. I, I mean, the number one thing uh, that I would like to do is to figure out how to stop this war from happening and... The only way that I can think to do that is to do the thing that I've been doing for the last two and a half years, which is to try to make sure that the that a sea of weaponry is not released into the hands of people that are very, very willing to use it. And that means just going to the people that have the keys to the locks on the doors that are in front of the guns. And that's the pirates. But I mean, I, th- I think I would need your help getting there. Well, our help you have, your your position in any official capacity is over. Anytime you try to use your position for the company or anything else, you will have to expose yourself. As of right now, you are dead, and whoever's replaced you has already signed those papers that allowed the trade to begin. We definitely need to 
go to the source here and stop this cash, but these weapons that the pirates hold, this is only a fraction of what will be moved when the trade lines have begun opening, as the Saffron Anox, an archivist Ark cracked, clearly intend to do. We saw the documents. Many, many more guns than any pirate can hold. How will this, this help stem the tide of war? Um, <laughs> I see where you're coming from. I mean, sometimes you treat the symptom and then you treat the sickness. Uh, I think there's an immediate danger, and you're right, there's then a longer-term danger. T to be perfectly honest, and maybe this was just a failure of imagination on my part, I never even considered trying to figure out how to stop guns coming into the planet. It just seemed impossible. Mm. So I just hid the ones I could get a hold of. If you... I mean, are you saying what I think you're saying? What I'm saying is that... Perhaps it is necessary to stop these weapons from being released in the short term. The weapons that could start the war, that they can then profit on by selling more guns and more weaponry. But ultimately, with those trade lines open, weapons will pour in that will make this cash seem like the arms on a ship or uh, in a barracks. Oh, whoa, it's on arms. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but here, Venus, here's a question for you. How long do you think it's going to take to reopen those lines? And also, do they know that they're currently closed? I, I guess I'm confused as far as like, okay, we know where one cache of weapons is, but how long it will, will it take to get another one or another one or another one, you know? Zeshino nods and she's like, yeah, that's, um, it depends upon what the company does. Uh, if they go into lockdown, then it will be harder to get things in through the company. But there are two other companies on the continent uh, there's Orthrax, there's Oucher, you know, there's independent distributors. They could try to get to the pirates directly uh, and use them as a distribution arm. And I mean, the thing about conflict is people are going to need, you know, if there's large scale conflict, people will need a lot. They'll need more than just weapons. The, the desire for finished goods in general will probably dip at first, but then it's going to increase significantly as everybody spins up, you know, as every country on the continent spins up whatever defense system they have, they're going to just need things. So we got to get this done before that happens. This being nebulous thing that we've decided to do. <laughs> Pirates? Pirates? Remy, are Taylor you okay? Are you sunsetting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, oh, come I'm here, buddy. Still... Come here. I'm discombobulated, man. No, I we're, we're, we are having a day. Come here, buddy. <laughs> Mercus hands uh, Remy some jerky. <laughs> oh, thank you. You mentioned, you know, the, how can I say this? Head of the pirates? Pirate King. Pirate King. Do you think some of this information that we've gathered might be uh, a little useful to him before he gets himself into quite a mess? I mean, I will say uh, that... As far as uh, groups of people um, being tolerant of being manipulated goes, the pirates are not, uh, yeah, not on that list. I thought so. What's, what's Graffa like? Uh, it's an island uh, off the Dark Sea coast. It's um, off the west. It is um, uh, very sandy and the it's very high up and it's very crowded. Um, it's, um, been, it's one of the first settled places on Kakudun. Uh, so it's got a lot of just, it's got a lot of history. Um, and that is very apparent in most things about it. 
do we need a vehicle or how, how do we get there? If we need to, uh, Millen could probably get us there. Well, oh, right. When is Millen arriving? She puts her hands out. She points at um, the nest of necklaces in your hand, Marcus. And she and yeah. And when you look, there's one that's got a, like a clock on it. Um, and uh, she uh, she she looks at it and she says, oh, right. Um, uh, time doesn't work here. Uh, so I'm not really sure um, I can open the door and check the watch if you want. Is everybody OK if I peek outside really quick? Yes. Yeah. yeah, what's it going to do? Kill us? Uh, she puts the key in the door, uh, waits a sec, and it doesn't work. Uh, and then she puts the key in the door again and wiggles it, and it disappears. Um, and uh, when this happens, the door doesn't make a sound, but there is suddenly a sound. And it is a very, very loud cacophony of what is obviously, like, groups of shouting people. Mm. Um, and, like, clashing and... Um, strife of some kind can we have uh, five regular minutes today <laughs> <laughs> Mercus is backing away from the disappeared door um it sounds like a riot outside um and she yeah. and she makes a face like she's been hit with a bucket of cold water um and she just sticks her hand with the watch outside and looks at it and brings it back in and puts the key back in the door and it closes again um and she says Millen is scheduled and she makes a face like Ooh, to be here in about 45 minutes if he can get through that i mean i can I mean does anybody else need a nap i could take a nap well friends i don't know what you're all thinking but it seems like all roads lead to the pirate king You are now leaving Float City. Thanks for listening. If you like the show and want to help us keep making it, head on over to patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. Five bucks a month gets you access to a whole other show we do called Fun Chatty. It gets you access to our rad as heck discord full of very weird, very nice and smart nerds. It gets you access to music playlists and more. It is a wild deal. You know you want to patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. And of course, thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat. I'm Bijan Steven, and I play Remy Tester on Float City. You can find me online on Twitter at Bijan Steven, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitch at the same name, and on Instagram at Bijan Cakes, B-I-J-A-N Cakes. I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Mercus Imeldar. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Randwiches. That's the word sandwiches, but replace the S with an R. This is Shannon O'Dell. I play Beta Combat. You can find me on social at Shodell. Hello, this is Nick Gersio, and I play Lux on Fun City and Venos on Float City. You can find me at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter and in Gersio on Instagram. You spell Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O. I'm Taylor Moore, and I play all the cool, interesting characters. You can follow me at Taylor.biz. <laughs> My name is Mike Rignetta. I am your GM, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rignetta. 
You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at FunCityVentures. Float City is played in a soon-to-be-released system called Still Fleet, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Still Fleet. This episode of Float City was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York, and Cape Cod, Massachusetts. It was produced, edited, and sound designed by me, Mike Rignetta. It plows the earth in its own conceit. It overwhelms the hills beneath its winding labyrinths, till Pixel Rifts stops it in midst of its pride amongst its hills and rivers. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall, with a little help this episode from Will Savino. Remy's flute playing is by Jake Fridkiss. Our art is by Tess Stone. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kelly McHugh, Kit Pulliam, and Kestrel. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton. <laughs>